What's up, guys? Fourth Base Podcast number 13. Recording it on a Friday night, January 25th. This is our uh, first podcast in quite some time. We, uh, we've been busy. Holiday season, and then uh, we both... Have we ever done one on a Friday night? I don't think we have. We usually do on uh, Sundays, or uh, we were doing Wednesdays for a while, but uh, we're definitely going to try to uh, be a little bit more consistent, to say the least. Uh, but anyways, we uh, we missed the uh, the Hall of Fame thing last night, so big uh, big shout out to to Mariano Rivera for being the first unanimous uh, Hall of Fame inductee ever. I don't want to take anything away from Mo. Yeah, that seems. But I'm pissed. Like a lot. I'm pissed that Griffey was not the first unanimous one. Out of like the era that he played in, like he was a home run hitter. You know, he played with, like, Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, all these guys that had all the the steroid talk. Never an accusation about him, ever. Not once. He had the sweetest swing. Just he really did. The, the sweetest swing you'll ever see. Yeah. It was so fun to watch him in home run derbies. Like, I just really enjoyed watching him play. But anyways, Mo, 652 career saves with one pitch. The cutter. Yeah. That's, I think, the most insane thing about all of it. A lot of them in the postseason, too. Yeah, I think he had like 141 career postseason saves, something like that. Yeah, congratulations to Mo. Uh, fellow Yankee, Mike Mussina, got in. Uh, he pitched with the Orioles, too, right? Yeah, so he uh, had a 368 career ERA. Uh, stuff I've read about him has pretty much been people saying, like, is he really def- really deserving of the Hall of Fame? He never won a Cy Young. It's like, yeah, I get that. But you also, with Mike Messina, you have to really look at the fact that he pitched. He pitched in the NL East his entire career. That's not an easy division to pitch in. And to have a 368 ERA, it's pretty impressive. You mean the AL East? What did I say? Did I say NL East? Wow. Bonehead move on my part. So, uh, also, I guess we should have said that uh, Cody's been drinking a lot more than he usually does because we're doing the podcast on a Friday night. Uh, and after being in Punta Cana last week and drinking Jim Beam all week, you can definitely appreciate something better than Jim Beam. Um, yeah, what's this weather like coming back to this? Oh, dude, it went from 80 degrees, pretty much 80 degrees all all day long yeah, that's with, like, nice. no humidity. And then came back to have to shovel my driveway out four days or four times the day I came back. Yeah, it was nice. I wish that uh, we would have been somewhere like where we could have seen like some baseball or something like that. Like that's a hotbed for baseball. But anyways, not to get sidetracked. Um, old, old Moose, he had a good career. I mean, I think so. I guess it's he pitched in the AL East. He still only got seventy six percent, seventy six point something percent of the vote. Yeah. So it wasn't you know really up there, but, but again, I guess it. he deserved it. Yeah. He's in. Edgar Martinez made it in on his. Tenth and final year on the ballot, he had a what three hundred nine career home runs, slash line of three twelve, four eighteen, five fifteen with a nine thirty three OPS. Very good. Like if you had that on your team, like there's no way that he should have went to the, to his tenth year. Like that's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. Who's who's the DH award named after? Edgar Martinez. Why would you make him wait 10 years? Why? Just because he's a DH? The career war, the 68.4, is pretty impressive, too. That's what I read earlier was that it's, it's, 
something like 86 of the 200 and some people in the Hall of Fame have to have, you know, or have a war between, what, 50 and 70. Yeah. And he's right near the top of that. So that's that's definitely really impressive. It doesn't make any sense that he he just now got in. Like, those numbers, if you've got someone on your team that's got a 933 OPS, you're going to be happy as shit with that. Yeah. Period. From whatever position you're getting it from. I don't care if he doesn't play defense. Like, the DH has been around. You can't hold that against a guy because he's a DH. I mean, I understand that, you know, I would put more value in a guy that plays in the field, too, but when you're looking at just his numbers and getting into the Hall of Fame. Is Big Poppy a Hall of Famer? It has to be. Like, he was the heart and soul of that Red Sox team, you know, when they started winning championships. Like, they, he, he has to be. Just because of how influential he was. Like, without, I don't know what his numbers are off the top of my head, but, I mean, yeah, he has to be. But that's the thing, like, we, I mean, we kind of discussed it when we were talking before we started recording. Like, that's just part of the reason that you can't, like, I don't I don't look into the Hall of Fame and really follow it super closely because of stupid shit like this. Like, Griffey should have been a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Martinez, there's no way that he should be on his 10th year on the ballot and get voted in finally. Kurt Schilling should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Like, there's no doubt about that. You've got, you know, the Bonds, Rocket, Roger Clemens, all those discussions. I mean, we can get to that in a minute before, I guess, we skip uh, Big Roy Halladay, who also made it. Two-time Cy Young, 2001. He was uh, sent to A-ball to work on some stuff and came back and just... Best pitcher for a decade. Just yeah, I mean, the, the number, the 67 complete games is just insane. It, that, that is such a ridiculous number. I, I read it was like six per year, and nobody does that anymore. Nobody. That's what I was going to say, especially nowadays. Like, you're happy to get a guy that goes six or seven innings. The fact that he was averaging six complete games a year, like, that's insane. You don't you just don't see that nowadays. He had, what, two? Did he have a perfect game in the postseason or a no-hitter? No-hitter. One of two people would ever have a no-hitter in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, definitely I think he – I mean, no doubt about it, he deserves it. Like, he was definitely the most dominant pitcher for at least a solid decade. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Didn't I didn't know in. he played 12 years in Toronto. That yeah. seems like a long time. What was it, 12 years in Toronto for him? Uh, yeah, Philly. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm I'm happy as a Braves fan that we got the the four years at the tail end of his career, but he still was averaging you know six complete games a year is just unheard of nowadays. But yeah, went in uh, with no logo on his cap. Didn't wanna didn't wanna do for either team. I uh, I kind of harbor a little bit of ill will towards Maddox for going in with the Cubs. Yeah. So I could understand. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that the the split of years was like twelve to four, and he still didn't want to go in as a Blue Jay. Yeah, seriously. But I mean, that I think that was how many uh, Blue Jays are in the Hall of Fame? I don't have no clue on that. But yeah, that's I don't have an answer. It can't be a, a lot. No. And he was that good. He like you said, best pitcher for a decade. Old Doc. Yeah. Sad to see him gone. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um. I mean, other than that, like we've missed. We've missed quite a few signings. Um, no way we're going into all of them. Biggest one, most recent, was uh, old AJ Pollock uh, getting in with the uh, the Dodgers. That's a good pickup. It is, especially I mean, if he stays healthy. Yeah. 
So they didn't know what they were going to do in center field, right? I don't think last year he played center. So I think they had they'll Bellinger. Move, they'll and, move him to right. I think right, they want Bellinger to play first, right? I would think. I think they're still going to bounce him around. But I mean, Pollock gives you a very like you know if he stays healthy, assuming. I wonder what they're going to do with Muncy too. They still have Muncy. Yeah. They were playing him at first, second, third for a while. But Justin Turner, if he's healthy, he's definitely a third baseman. I think with them, them getting rid of Kemp and Puig. I mean, I think they they open that up. Right, Dozier's gone from that team. Machado's gone from that team. All guys they had last year. So, I mean, you replace those guys. I I guess you have Muncy play second, but they have Seager coming back this year, who should be healthy. Yeah. I don't know. I think I mean I think Pollock will play right if sounds like if they're really Bellinger's trying to like first. revamp their team. Yeah. I guess. I mean well and they were there last year. They were right there, but not quite, you know, over the hump. Yeah. But I mean they've got to do something too, because I mean, yeah, you're getting you're being successful. You've got two national league crowns right. in the last two years, but you've got nothing to show for it. So I think that you know that's a good move, a good signing for them. I think it's like it's five years, sixty million total, but I think it's an opt out after three, which will pay him like somewhere in like forty million range, and then it'll be like it's a bumps him up to sixty if he goes the the full five years. But I mean, I think that's a good signing for them. I think uh, I think the Braves made a smart move with signing Nick Markakis back. They got him for you know not much at all. It sounds like Arizona's not going to be very good next year. No. Arizona's in a rebuild. I guess. I mean, whatever that like, I they got rid of their best two players. I think. Well, they, no, what Granky's? Yeah, left. I thought they would have tried to, tried to move Granky, but I mean, there's still time to do that. Then, and I mean, you know, they don't need to trade him right now too. If they're gonna be bad, they're gonna be bad regardless. Um, but if they keep Granky, they've at least got that guy at midseason that provides trade value that they can get. And they seem competitive to their fans, at least. Yeah. They have somebody. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's... I think if they keep on Granky, that gives them a very, very valuable piece midseason. They could flip him for some prospects. And, you know, maybe like a guy that's going to be ready next year. So they could that could, you know, further enhance your rebuild and kind of cut out some of that downtime pretty quick. But uh, I don't know. I mean... It's hard to hard to see because there's still some some very valuable pieces that are left that haven't signed. You know, with the Machado and the Harper, and you know, you still got uh, Dallas Keuchel's still out there too. And Kimbrel. And Kimbrel. Yeah, those are the four big names that are left, and I guess Keuchel would be last on that list. But he won't. I mean, he won't garner a whole lot of money, but uh, he's a reasonable arm. He's a workhorse. He yeah, but that's he stays healthy. That's kind of my question too about him is how much money is he going to get just based off of the fact that that he's been that workhorse. Like those guys generally don't do that for you know they're, right. they're so not, what, you're not pitching 200 innings for 10 seasons. Well, I mean, what you pay Pollock, would you pay Keuchel something like that? 12 about 12 million a year? I would because right. Keuchel to me, like when you're looking at Pollock, that entire value depends on if he's healthy or not. And I'm not saying that if he doesn't just not get hurt for three years. I'm not saying that. He's got to be, you know, 2015 version of A.J. Pollock. Like, produces at a high value, plays great defense. He's out there for 140 games. I don't think that you're going to see him for 140 games. Even if he stays healthy, what version do you get of him? Because he hasn't played for, you know, 
a whole season for what three or four years now? Yeah. So I mean that that depends on that. But I think Keuchel, if you look at him, yes, he's pitched a ton of innings and he's been a workhorse. Even if you scale that back, you could get him. You know, for if you get 170 innings out of him, 175, you're still cutting 25 innings off of what he was pitching, if not more. And he's not like a guy that was pitching at 99 miles per hour. And he lost but it says something to the fact that he hasn't been picked up yet. So yeah. even though he's probably the most valuable starter left, I guess, in the in free agent wise, he no one's really jumping on that opportunity. And I don't know what like offers have been coming his way, but you know, you would think some somebody's going to jump on that. Especially he's I don't know he's he's going to warrant somewhere between twelve and fourteen million a year. I think he's definitely worth something like that. Yeah. But I mean that's the thing too is the the free agent. If you're giving McCutcheon fifteen a year, yeah, I think Keuchel's worth you know. Yeah, I would definitely. Years. I would I would pay more for Keuchel than I would for Andrew McCutcheon at this at this stage in the game. With Keuchel, he's not one of those high velocity guys. He's a ground ball guy. So as long as he doesn't just completely lose control of how he pitches and he's leaving balls up and he becomes you know that guy that where his splits change drastically. You're still going to have a you know uh, number number one or a number two depending on the team, so I think that I would rather pay for that than for Pollock. But I think it's two different scenarios too. Is Pollock's coming off the injuries and Keuchel's just getting older? But if he it, that's where it comes in, is he a smart guy where he can change his pitches up and still pitch really well, or you know does any of this even matter? Does he sign a one year deal just to prove himself and see what happens next year? Because I think that the Harper Machado situations are just basically putting everything else at a standstill at this point. And it's really irritating. Like, I'm sick of hearing their names. I wish they would just fucking sign and get it over with. Like, I'm sick of hearing about it. And all this shit where it's like, oh, Machado, there's a mystery team. I don't give a shit if it's a mystery team. If you don't have details, then then why, shut the yeah, fuck why up. Like, why are, yeah, why are you reporting it? It doesn't even make sense. Because then if nothing comes of it, it's like, oh, who was the mystery team that no one remembers? It's like... It just doesn't make sense. Like, I wish they would just sign and get it over with. And I hope that the deal that the offer that the White Sox gave him is what we see for Machado. He turned, you know, he got the, the seven year 175 offer from the White Sox. But what's he going to accept? I don't, I don't think he's going to take 25 million. I think that he's going to sign wherever, whoever offers him the most money is where he's going to sign. Don't you think at this point that Harper is just going to take the 300 million from the Nationals? I've said for a long time that I think that Harper's going to sign with the Phillies. Are they going to pay him more than $300 million, or are they just going to give him something close to that for eight or nine years? I don't know. I think okay. like, yeah, there's, we, there's we a lot of... We would get into hypothetical and shit like that. So but, I mean, that's, that, that's, I, it's, yeah, it just depends on... We haven't seen anything happen for oh, no, it's, months now. We've been talking so about this shit it's all for, hypothetical. for, what, three months now? Like, yeah. I'm just... I'm Honestly, at this point in the game, like, I'm over... I'm over even talking about it. Like, I wish they would just fucking sign because as, as soon as they start signing, then everything else is going to fall into place. Yeah, I kind of, well, I mean, I kind of like this other stuff that's going on, though. But we're getting too close to the season where, you know, these teams are going to wait on two guys, especially if they know they're not really in the running. And I think that's what you see, like, with the Dodgers. They signed Pollock. Like, we can't wait around. And they had Machado. It feels like they don't want him. I don't know if I they feel offered like, him anything, but... I feel like if anyone has a leg up on on the signing of him, it would be the Dodgers. He's already got 
familiarity with them. He went to the World yeah, Series. Yeah, he just went to the World Series with him, you know? Like, He's I feel never like been if, that far in his I feel career. like if they wanted him, they would have him. But that's not the case. And that's that says a lot. Yeah, me. and I think that that's... And I still, I haven't read, like, anything bad from any of the guys that played with him and stuff like that, but how many guys nowadays are going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, I played with a dude and he's an asshole and I hate him? Like, you're not going to do that because that's just going to untrack unwanted attention towards you, especially in... When you don't need that already. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm so sick of talking about him. I just wish they would sign, get it over and done with. Like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Just let's let's get this shit done. <laughs> see where all the other pieces fall into place. Yeah, and then we can start figuring out who's going to be good next year. Yeah, what well, that and then, like, all this shit is also affecting fantasy baseball. Because as much as I hate Machado and I hate hearing about all this shit... If he's still a first rounder, yeah. If Manny Machado, probably. If Manny Machado is on whatever team he signs on, whoever's hitting in front of him, behind him, is going to be more valuable. Same thing with Harper; they're going to be more valuable than they are without those guys hitting behind him. And that also, at the same time, it adds value to the guys you know way in front too. Depending on the team, like if you look at like the Braves per se, they just signed Donaldson. How much more valuable? is Acuna and Freeman right now because you've got an MVP caliber guy hitting between you. You can't pitch around Acuna to go to Donaldson. You no, know, you can't pitch around Freddie Freeman, period. It doesn't matter so you, what you do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that adds that adds a lot more value to Freeman and Acuna right there, and that's a whole different conversation on if yeah, he's going to hit lead That's off. fine if you just want to walk Freeman because he's still the most dangerous out of any of those guys. I think at this, I mean, I don't know, like, Acuna, I think, will get there, but he's got, I think he's got more pop than Freeman, but Freeman is, yes, the most dangerous. Yeah, Freeman was completely healthy last year and had a fantastic year. He's he's definitely still the the best hitter on that team. And that's the craziest the thing is, I think, I'm pretty sure, on that team. I'm pretty sure Marcakis was top 20 in MVP voting last year, too. I think he hit, what, 297? He had, like, and uh, he dominated in fantasy. His fantasy yeah. numbers were really good. I forget how many, uh... How many doubles he had, but I think it was like third in the league or something like that. He had a, a good number of doubles. I think he had like 97 RBI. Um, his The thing that all the negativity that I read about him is his splits between first half of the season and the second half of the season. I think his first half OPS was like 880, something like that. And then his OPS in the second half of the season was like 700 something. Yeah. It was like 100 point, almost a 200 point difference, which I get, but the dude also played in 162 games. And that's something, like, you know, to discuss the Braves right now, like with that Marqueca signing. Um, they're, they're at a point now where they signed Donaldson as well, where, like, when we had discussed originally with uh, Donaldson getting signed, you've got Camargo now that you're going to have to float around. So you're going to be able to give Donaldson rest right there. You'll be able to, to rest Marquecas if you need to. You could throw him in the outfield. And give Marquecas some rest. Like Anthopoulos has already said that these guys aren't going to play 162 games. I would rather have optimal output. I'd rather see Freddie Freeman play like 150 games and have optimal output than to be dog ass tired. Same thing. Like it happened with our relieving core with a couple of the guys. Um, Vizcaino was fatigued. Mentor's back was bothering him. Like we're going to have to. We're going to have to like give these guys more rest, just to till we d- determine. What is their durability level? You're not going to figure that out. For yeah, but they're in close games. The only way to do that is to score a lot more runs than the other team. So you don't have to pitch any of your really good relievers. 
Well, no, I mean, the relieving game is, is a different story because, I mean, we still don't have, we don't have, like, a go-to, like, closer. It's it's just, is Vizcaino going to be able to, to, to endure that workload and stay healthy, or is Shorter going to start bothering him? Mentor did a phenomenal job, and, like, I would trust him, too, but then he had the lower back issues in the, at the, towards the end of the season. So it's like, are we going to do like closer by committee thing, which I don't like either, because I'd rather just have one guy that's going to just, he knows his role, he's going to be more confident in that role mentally, and he's going to know that he's the guy. I would rather have that than to be like, all right, well, who's it going to be tonight? And especially from like a fantasy perspective, that really, especially the Andrew Miller, Cody Allen situation, it's like, who's going to get the save tonight? And it, it devalues them from a fantasy standpoint. And if they if they lose a game, you know, neither one of those guys has any real exactly. value. So like that just adds a different thing you got to look at like fantasy wise. But just you know staying on like real baseball. Um, I don't know. Like I would love to see. I would still love to see Kimbrel come back to the Braves. They could use him for sure. I don't know that just about any team could use him, but they definitely could. It's I I don't know. Cool. I just think that. The way that Anthopoulos talked about the signing of Marquecas, he said that deal had to happen, you know, within a very certain price range. It makes me think that that something else, like he's going to do something. Like I don't know if it's going to be a trade or a signing. But if we could get, I would be happy with Keiko if we got Keiko for the right price. But I would love to see Kimbrell. I mean, if anything, just from like a sentimental standpoint, having our old closer back. I'd love to have him back, especially if he's going to continue to be dominant. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, no, no one's going to say that wouldn't be a great addition to their team. It does not sound like the Red Sox have any desire to uh, sign him back. They don't want to pay the money. I don't know why they've decided now that they're going to try to save money and not hold down any of their backside. I mean, their, you, their lost, you also lost Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the Dodgers so fallen. I mean, maybe they maybe they think they can win by so many runs that it doesn't matter. They don't need a closer. That was your weakness last year, though. Was a little bit of issues in the bullpen. And so they still now, won the series, so. yeah. But I mean, now you've lost your closer and one of your key relievers. Are you? Yeah, it's, really, it's real. That? Yeah, it's real interesting to see them. And that's Come such. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's such a fucking Red Sox fan thing to say. <laughs> oh, and we still won the World Series. They did. They won oh, 108 games. Oh, we lost our closer. We uh. No, I, I think, definitely. I'm not I think saying we won 108 games. How many games is Kimber worth? Oh, eight. Oh, we still would have won 100. But the Yankees won more than 100. They won 100. 101, maybe 100 or 101. So, so that was. Yeah, I posed that question earlier. Is it, if if the Red Sox aren't 108 game winners this year? Who is the real dangerous threat? Like, you know, are the Yankees good enough to, to take that over the Astros going to be good again to where they can really, you can see from the offseason that they've come up and they're going to, you know, knock them down. Take, take them off their throne, I guess. It's hard to, it's hard to root against the Red Sox. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely so not saying the team – the signings in the offseason don't make me think they're going to be better than they were last year. You said that the signing, like everything that's progressed so far does not make well, you think they're going to be better? That, the, the point is, yeah, they, they don't look as good already, but for them to already come out and say 
they're not going they're probably not going to sign Kimbrell. Like what does that mean? They've offered him something or he wants something just too outrageous. Like why why would you take your take yourself out of the take running? Take yourself out of the running right there already. Why would you come out and publicly say like this isn't we're we're probably not going to sign this guy? I mean, I guess at the same time if I had just won 108 games and won another World Series, I'm probably not going to press myself when my closer says I'm I want six years, six figures. I'm pretty much just gonna be like, all right, well, I'm out. Like I'm not doing that. Just at least you know. I mean, it's obviously a negotiating tactic, but at the same time, I mean, how pissed are you gonna be if the Red Sox don't win the World Series this year? I mean, no. you're not. You've got a little bit of of time right now where. You don't have to win 108 games. Right, exactly. So that's that's not the likely situation is that they win anywhere near that many next year. I mean, it, it's more likely they win between 95 and 100 games. Or in 95 that? and 105, somewhere in that range. Like, it's it's not likely that a team wins, you know, especially when they haven't signed anybody big in – free agency and they're about to get rid of their closer or just let him walk I guess yeah I don't know man uh, the Yankees they still have Mookie Betts they still have J.D. Martinez they still got a really good team I mean there, there's no doubt about that but that the thing with the bullpen is you know you've got you got a couple guys that basically walk. I mean they walked away from the team with, with you gaining nothing from it You've got some pitchers, especially Sale. I think the starters, uh, outside of Sale, that he, <coughs> even Sale wasn't great in the postseason, which I guess is all but you care about because he's always great in the regular season. That's what I was getting but at. But outside is, of Sale, it's it's really – I mean, they re-signed Eovaldi, right? You said that. It, they, they, well, what are they going to use him as? Their starters be weren't a... that dominant last year. To where you really thought that one, Sale through, was, one through five that they were that great. Sale was dominant. Right. But that's my thing that I was getting at with the bullpen is you're losing guys that you need you need to have Sale pitching more games at five innings than at seven or eight innings. Like, I don't care how dominant he is. Like, we're at the point in the game where there are statistics that show you that he breaks down before the playoffs. I understand that they just won the World Series, but you've got him for how much longer? Wouldn't you want him to be pitching his best in the postseason rather than the first three or four months of the season? So you're letting people walk from your bullpen that could shorten the game up for your starters, and that's the thing that like doesn't make sense to me. At least, like, what I said was, you know, if you don't win the World Series, who gives a shit? As a fan base, you can't be pissed off. You just won, and you won 108 games. And it's not and like, and you, won like you guys had the most dominant. Even like you won through the postseason. Yeah, they won you all the big won series dominantly. In, in five games. Yeah, you won dominantly. You're not going to forget. Like you're talking about this Red Sox team being the best Red Sox team like ever. So it's not like this. This memory is going to wear off no matter what happens next season. It's going to have to be a complete dumpster fire. For your fan base to get upset, right? So Managers at that point, get fired. yeah, no, They're none of that shit. Any, Nothing's any, crazy's gonna happen. Exactly. So at that point, I mean, you don't have to go out and and make crazy moves and shit like that. But back to Eovaldi, one question I have for you is like, what are is Eovaldi? Is that a signing of a starting pitcher, or is that is he gonna be that guy that's like, all right, well, hey, we're we resign you for this amount of money. Um, we're pretty much just going to call your number and you're going to have to pitch whenever. He'll come in in the second inning if your pitcher gets blown up and pitch 
you know, four or five innings. That's where the the worry the worrisome between the starters one through five is definitely there. Is it's if they if they would have went longer against say the Astros, if it would have gone game six, game seven, the Astros definitely would have had the starting pitching advantage in a longer series. You know, even Sale not pitching that great in the postseason, he could pitch twice in those five games. But outside of that, like they, I thought the Astros were a better team pitching wise. Well, I and guess it's great pitching in the postseason. Verlander was on fire heading into the postseason. Garrett Cole looked good. It's you like know, if you have a, a Keuchel fighter. Is Keuchel. It's like if you have a fighter. It's either do you have great stamina and you're built for, you know, a lot of rounds, or are you that guy that's built to knock them out in the first couple? And I feel like that's what the Red Sox. Did and they did it exceptionally exactly. well. Obviously, they, yeah. They I don't think they could grind it out against any upper level team. Well, when you not play, not on the pitch, not pitching wise. I mean, they have probably the best offense in the American League, right? I mean, it's hard to argue. The it's Yankees, hard to argue maybe against that. The Yankees, maybe. But I feel like the Astros get, one through five are pretty yeah. fantastic. I mean, that's that's pretty much that's what it's going to be. Like you're going to hear about the Astros, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. For the next at least you know four or five years because they're they're just so good and they have so many young players, but you know it's funny you say that the Red Sox you know why would you just come out and say something, like just to air out all of your your intentions. It was kind of shocking that the Yankees just pretty much came out and said, "I'm I'm gonna get rid of Sonny Gray." That's pretty much what Cashman said. Like he's not working out here. We're gonna get rid of him. And they finally did it. And to be honest, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure we discussed this on one of the podcasts previously. I was pulling for the Braves to get Sonny Gray. I think that I don't like, I don't have any numbers. I don't have a crystal ball. I just I feel like he's gonna have a much better season this year. He still seems young, right? I don't know how old he is, but he seems yeah. like he's been young for. Years. I think it's his, it's his baby face, right? Is what it is. But I mean, he was really good in Oakland. And, like, we had discussed it. He just – there are certain people that don't play well in a big market like New York. I think that – I think he's going to have a really good year. I just – I've had a, a feeling that as soon as, you know, as soon as Cashman said that he was going to trade him. Do you think these I people think are going to want to play, come play for Cincinnati? The is thing that, is, is that, the, I looked at it at first. is that – does that any – does that take or hold any weight anymore? Does anybody care about that? Because that's I why think, you come to Cincinnati, right? I think that – the Reds could potentially be like they've traded a lot of prospects for a lot of guys that are only going to be there for one year. However, I think on the positive side of that that you look at is these guys are in contract years. It either goes phenomenal or it blows up on them because of the pressure. All these guys are trying to get paid. They trade you know, that Sonny Gray trade. They they got Roark and Alex Wood to bolster their pitching staff, and they got Puig and Kemp. You have no idea what you're going to get from Kemp because of or his Puig. age and his injuries. Or Puig. And Puig, Puig's the type of guy that could go from, you know, living the life in fucking L.A. to coming to Cincinnati and being like, you know what, fuck you, like I hate it here. Yeah. And his seasonal tank. But if he plays well because he wants to get paid, that's the thing is, does he get pissed off and that ruin it or does he focus on wanting to get paid if all those guys have really great contract years the Reds could be really really competitive this year and if if these guys have really good years and 
the Reds still aren't in competition because of how how much better the Cubs and the Cardinals are. Yeah, they could dump all of them. Then they could start trading these guys, and you've got options now. I mean, it appears that they don't want to trade Sonny Gray. We're signing him to an extension immediately. Um, but if if Roark has, let's say he starts having a really good, he'll he'll have a rough first month, and then he pitches really well. Alex right Wood before the All Star break, Alex Wood's going to be good. Yeah. I'm still. That's the one thing that really pisses me off about when the trade the Braves made that trade to the Dodgers is we got rid of Alex Wood. That was the one person I was upset about. Period. Yeah, he's, and he's good. Yeah, their their team's a lot better. I don't think that they're they're not at the point still where I'm like, oh shit, the Reds are going to win the division. The Cardinals just got too much better this year. With to me, that's the biggest piece out of any of those guys. Alex Wood. Yeah. I think that Sonny Gray, I think that Alex Wood's going to have a really good year for Cincinnati, and then he's going to go sign somewhere else. But Sonny Gray, I think that he could, I think he's going to have a turnaround year. He's going to have a really, really solid year. I'm not saying he's going to win the Cy Young, but I I would be, I'm going to call it right now. Right, the Reds haven't say, had a good starting. This is my prediction for next season right now where we currently sit. Sonny Gray will be in the top 25 starting pitchers next year. Okay. That's my prediction. Like that's how confident I am that he's gonna have a turnaround here. But I I come back like I was hard on the Reds when they made some of the the moves that they did and just some of the shit they talk about. But I I legitimately am very happy to see how much better the Reds have gotten. They haven't had a good rotation in a while. They haven't, and they built they've built themselves up. And what's who's to say that like what if the Reds are like this is crazy talk too to even say it. What if the Reds are in like the running for the wild card at the end of the year? Let's just yeah. Are they going to be a five hundred team? Let's can just they trade? Can like, they be a five hundred team? But that's the thing is they've already signed Gray. What if like for some reason Alex Wood has a phenomenal year, and the Reds are like, you know what? This is why we traded for you. You played with us this year. We want you to be on our team moving forward. We are trying to be competitive. Come play with us, and they sign him to a long, longer term deal. So who do the Reds put in center with Billy gone and? What, they have Winker and left? Yeah. Who's in right? Shebler? Yeah, and they've got, uh, who's the young guy for them? It was Winker, right? They've got another, the guy that's supposed to come up. I can't, I cannot believe I can't think of his name right now. Well, we'll come back to that. But I think, like I said, I'm happy, I'm really happy that they, they're making moves finally. Like, to, it's always been like, they don't want to make a move. To, to get better, and they don't want to make a move to, like, blow it up. And it's it's good to see them finally making well, moves where... Well, they picked up Matt Harvey, like, and, and that was the biggest, like, what the hell thing. Cause yeah, he was but awful it, it worked out for and he, him. Yeah, and he, yeah, like, surprisingly. They, they, they got production out of Matt Harvey. Like, how the hell did that happen? And the Mets hadn't been able to do that in you three ju- years. You, it's not like Cincinnati somewhere where... It's not like Atlanta was in the 90s where you could just be an average pitcher and go there and pitch above average because of a great pitching staff. The Reds have had problems developing pitchers. So the fact that Harvey went there and kind of he's working his way on resurrecting his career there. And yeah, so actually bring got in some veterans. A, a bring in some veterans. Guys with experience. They're going to have to, but I mean. Well, they already did that. That's why, you know, Sonny Gray and Roark have been around a while. We get kept. That's. You know, I'm I'm with you. Who knows what Puig wants to do? Who knows if Puig even wants he's, to come to Cincinnati? He's definitely the. Uh, I feel like the uh, kind of 
wild card in the whole situation because if he plays really well. Matt Kemp will play to the best of his ability, I think, until he pulls his hamstring or something <laughs> yeah, like something that. Yeah, something stupid like that. Um, and I was wrong. I was thinking of Nick Senzel, who's their yeah, uh, second-base okay. prospect. He's not an outfielder. Um, but he's supposed to be nice. He's supposed to be really, really good. That's why they moved him to second. He was a, originally a third baseman. Senzel was, but they're going to move him to second. Yeah, I mean, dude, they could I, – I really, like, I really, really – I'm pulling for them. I'm hoping that they're finally, you know, moving in that direction where they can – Start being competitive. Like, do you, do you care about any of those other teams in the NL Central? Cubs, Brewers, Pirates, Cardinals. You, what do you mean care about them? Like, from just like an overall baseball standpoint, yeah, yeah. or like, do I care how they play? Just overall baseball. I mean, it's the Cubs. I don't like. They're the Cubs. Like, they got their championship for the first time in hundreds of years. It's weird to see them be good, and they've been good for the yeah. last five years or so. Yeah, I mean, really strange. I like I like players on the Cubs more than I like, like, the Cubs. I'm not saying I – like, I think that, like, Wrigley Field's a field, one of the fields that I want to go to, like, there in Fenway. Yeah. I definitely want to go there before, like, all is all said and done. Um, like, I don't have any, like, disrespect towards their organization. It's just – it's – annoying for the Cubs because you see all these Cubs fans now that were never fans before. So that kind of ruins it for me. But I like, I really like Anthony Rizzo. Like I don't, especially now that I've just kind of gotten really back into baseball and really being like a Braves fan, you know, these last years after kind of not following anything for, for a while, like just getting really back into it and being a diehard Braves fan. I don't feel any, like, real feelings towards, like, the Cubs organization. I don't care if they're bad. I don't care if they're good. I I just care about, like, Anthony Rizzo. Like, he's one of my, like, my favorite players, and I I don't have, like, favorite guys like that. Like, I respect Trout. I respect the guys that are good. Yeah. But I don't, like, think, like, oh, Mike. I love Mike Trout as a baseball player. Like, he's my favorite baseball player. Like, I just really enjoy Rizzo as a player, which is weird because he plays for the Cubs. Um, it's hard to root for the Cardinals being near the Reds because they're just always good and they always kick it really, the shit it out It always the Reds. seems like they do more with less yeah, than always. a lot of other teams. Like, if you would have told me that Matt Carpenter was going to have the year he was going to have last year, and I would have. Statistically, Mike Matheny is, like, one of the worst managers, and I don't understand it because his team's competitive every year. Yeah, like, you just always expect the Cardinals. It's like, it doesn't matter if you told me that the Cardinals lost every starter they had last year. My God, well, they'll figure something out. Yeah, they they have a bunch of nobodies that you never hear of until they get on a hot streak. Who I forget who the first baseman they had this year. Big dude was pretty good in fantasy too, and he I'd never heard of him the year before. Seems like pitchers, starting pitchers. Martinez you, is that his name? Yeah, Jose Martinez. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, is, like, they're just one of those teams that, like, when you look at, like, Carlos Martinez, where they didn't know what they were going to do and they were using him out of the bullpen instead of using him as a starter, they're still competitive. And it's, like, that's, like, supposed to be your top guy. And he's not working out, like, uh-oh, like, you were putting all your eggs in that basket. But you're still competitive. Like, they're just always competitive. I feel like that division is going to be really fun to watch this year, especially with how good the Brewers are, too. And I think I think the NL East and the NL Central are going to be, like, the two most fun divisions to watch in baseball next year. If they can keep their starting pitching or their starting rotation together or held together, the Brewers, yes, will not take much of a a step back. 
they'll be good again. I mean, I don't, I don't, know, I don't think that Yelich can have the year that he had last year, and that's pretty much what carried him. But the one thing with, especially with the Cardinals, that I'm looking for next year, and this will be another prediction that I make. This is apparently the, the prediction podcast. Um, Ozuna is going to have a really good year next year, and it's it's going to be even more benefited by the signing of Goldschmidt now. Yeah, geez. But he, you could tell, like we and we had talked about this already, especially from fantasy standpoints. He was playing hurt. Like it just doesn't make any sense that he goes from the shitty Marlins to the Cardinals. And all of a sudden, he has a shitty year. The dude mashed the the last couple years before that. Like, he's going to have a really good year. So, you're looking at adding Goldschmidt to that lineup. Imagine if Carpenter, if you get similar production to what Carpenter got you last year, who was a down, like, you know, Hall of Fame, or not Hall of Fame, uh, MVP candidate. If he puts that together for a whole year, if you get, imagine if Carpenter, like, the, the two people that we talked about last year were Carpenter and Goldschmidt the horrendous starts that both of them had, and then they were both in the MVP voting. Yeah. Imagine if both of those guys put it, put it together the entire season, and now they're both on the same team. And then you throw in Marcelo Zuna, if, he, if you get production out of him too, like he was getting with the Marlins in 2017... You're talking about, like, the best lineup in baseball. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit who else you bring up. You can throw in Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and anybody else you want. That right there could potentially be the best three hitters in baseball. And if that's the case, then you might be talking the Cardinals are just going to run away with that division. And um, I, I think they compete with even the Red Sox at that point. If you've got those three hitting on all cylinders like they could, like that's a really dangerous lineup, and that that division will be a lot of fun to watch, because now if you're talking about that, like you're talking the Reds could be competitive, so now you're talking about a four team race, so that could be really fun to watch. And yeah, I, just, might, I feel like the Pirates are left out. Well, I mean, the Pirates, the big deal they made was to get Chris Archer. And that shit blew up in their face, and the Rays got better production out of Jamison Tylon than, than Chris Archer did for the, the Pirates. I mean, like, I just, things haven't shook out for them, but it's like, at this point, I mean, if I'm the Pirates, I'm just folding up and rebuilding at this point because the other teams in the division have gotten better. No, it so was much somebody better. worse than Tyon that they got. The Rays. There was, yeah, there was someone else, too, that pitched really well, or was, played really, really well. good. I can't remember. We obviously should have done more research research before we did this podcast, but here we are. Um, yeah, I'm, it might actually be worthwhile to uh, to go to more Reds games this year than just the uh, Reds Braves game. I haven't been honestly. in two years to a Reds game. Really? Yeah, you used to go uh, at least once every year. I always I go every year at least once when the Braves come. Uh, it'll definitely be the year Archer will get to go to his first. Uh, First baseball game this year. I'll wait till the Braves come, but it could definitely be a year where it'll be. It could be interesting to to go to some games down down the stretch because it might. The Reds should actually be competitive. Yeah, I'm really really happy with that Sonny Gray signing. I think that uh, I think things could uh could turn. No, out. I'd like to see any of those guys pitch. I'd like to see Alex yeah. Wood pitch. That'd be sweet. Well, I mean the the Reds they've got. I mean we talked about it last year too. Like they had what three guys in the top fifteen. Hitting wise, they've got you know you've got Iglesias in the bullpen. You've got uh who's the other uh the green, 
for them. Just came up from the Dragons. Okay. Dude throws triple digits. Like, he's got a hell of a fastball. If they can develop him. And Castillo, if he ever turns yeah. it around. Castillo. Like, he's young, like, they've got, young, so. they've got some young guys that. They have if, a lot of young talent. If they have, if they have like, three or four of those guys from the minors that come up and all produce, if they have all those top guys come up and produce, they could be in the situation that the Braves were in this past year. Where it's like, oh, yeah, we're a couple years away, but boom, here we are. Like, our young guys came up and are mashing or pitching phenomenal. Here we are. And that could be a really pleasant surprise, especially for Cincinnati. So back to the Yankees with the uh, the Sonny Gray trade. Um, got back Shed Long and just immediately flipped him to the uh, to the Yankees. Still have had a... Uh, a fantastic offseason, I'd say. They uh, signed Adam Ottavino. Zach Britton, again, re-signed him. Re-signed J.A. Happ. That uh, Paxton trade, if he's healthy, is phenomenal. And I know we've already discussed this in depth, but... Those are all good pickups, right? Very all good pickups. And they signed Tulo for literally nothing. I'm not expecting anything out of him. He hasn't played in, what, like a full year? If he were to come back healthy and give you any production at all until Gregorius is back, or even if you slide Torres over to shortstop and let Tulo play second to keep him healthy and you get any production out of him, that could be like a very, very, very underrated signing. But they've still gotten better. And are they going to sign? I don't want to even go into this, but are they going to sign Machado? What happens if they sign Machado? You know, like yeah, I back mean, to that thing again. Who cares? But it looks like they're going to be really good, regardless of if they do that or not. I mean, those are four good pitchers to an already pretty decent staff and an already good closing staff. And they've further made their bullpen even deadlier, and that helps with exactly. uh, keeping Paxton healthy. If you can get five great innings out of Paxton and go into Ottavino, Britton, Chapman, like Batances, you literally get five innings. I'm not, you can't do it five games in a row, but if you, you literally get five good innings out of a pitcher, you've got four guys that you can turn it over to that are lights out. They've they've definitely had a better offseason to me, than the Red Sox have. Like, no doubt about it. So, speaking, you know, of, of, of all the signings and everything that's going on, I think the, the team that's probably made the best deal or signings and stuff so far, the Twins. Yeah, that's crazy to say, right? Nelson Cruz... They added C.J. Crone. They added uh, Jonathan Sh- Jonathan Scope. That's three guys right there that could get you, you know, 25, 30 home runs. I mean, Cruz is going to get you, what, 40 home runs, 100 RBIs. If C.J. Crone has another good year, you know, that's that could be 30 home runs. It's kind of weird to see that the Twins made that move to pick up Valley Cruz, but it looks like they weren't done there, and I, I agree. It looks like their team could be pretty good, pretty competitive. In a pretty weak division. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Is like, to me, no. I mean, I don't think that they necessarily signed the best players by any means. Like, maybe not necessarily 
it's going to have like the best team, but in that division, they could win based off the moves they made. Just because it's such a weak division. The Angels just signed Cody Allen. Um, they've also got Justin, was it, is it Boer? Boer. Boer. I just don't know how to pronounce it, apparently. Four letters, too confusing. Uh, Trevor Cahill. Oh, the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey. And they got Jonathan Lucroy, too. So I think that that, uh, the Lucroy signing, I mean, you're not getting the bat that he had previously, but he's still a veteran catcher that could definitely make your, your pitching staff better. Right, and Harvey's not much, but... You know, but maybe, what if maybe he, you get something from him? But the top three guys. But what if have value for sure? But what if Harvey? What if the year in Cincinnati was just kind of him getting back to basics? And what if he does? I mean, he's not going to be the Matt Harvey that he was when he was Cy Young candidate Matt Harvey. But what if he's that guy that resurrected his career last year in Cincinnati, and he's going to give you. A, you know, thirty starts, and he's gonna get you. Right, their staff wasn't great, wins. so if he can provide any value to that team, then I mean, I think Trevor Cahill can provide some value if he's healthy. Cody Allen is, you know, sometimes good. I just he was still the closer for you know a the pretty thing, good Indians team. Like what I said, kind of back to the point that I was making earlier. Like to me, Cody Allen is gonna benefit from know, knowing his role. Like not having to wonder, like, well, am I gonna pitch if it's am I gonna pitch in the eighth inning, seventh inning, am I gonna pitch in the ninth inning? Is it gonna depend on where they're at in their lineup, if they're gonna go lefty, righty matchup and stuff like that. But that's the thing too, is his batting like his his numbers against left handed hitters have they're trending in the wrong direction. And that's like the question that I and I know we've talked about this before, but the thing that I always look at when I look at a reliever, like especially a closer, is those guys are supposed to be like that's supposed to be mentally challenging. So if you remove some of those variables like the guessing games and stuff like that, like is his confidence gonna go up knowing that he's gonna face righties or lefties? What what effect does it have knowing that well I'm not gonna go in against lefties because they're gonna bring in Miller. It has a big effect not having to do knowing it. that you're going in in the ninth inning to close a game for your team. If you're up, you know, one run, two runs, three runs going into the ninth, it's it's it. I think that overweighs kind of the playing the matchups thing because yeah, I mean you you don't know if you're coming in to face two batters because there's two guys on with one out, um, you know maybe one batter there's two guys on you know with one out and you're trying to force a ground ball. There's too many ifs and. There are a lot less ifs if you're the ninth inning guy, and you know you're the ninth inning guy. And I think that'll that'll boost confidence. I think that'll make, I think his numbers maybe will get a little bit better than what they were last year. But I still I think they've they've made some good signings. And I don't know if they if you ever heard of this guy that I'm about to tell you about, um, Mike Trout. He's still pretty good. Um, I heard Simmons is good too. Andrewton Simmons, they've got this guy, uh, Otani, yeah. that's pretty good, too. Um, so imagine having, you know, they're going to get a full season out of him. And Zach Cozart's pretty good. Yeah. They could have a they could have a really good team, for sure. Um, the Rays have have gotten a little bit better, too. I, I was the Charlie Morton signing. Yeah. That's, good signing for them. You know, I go straight to that. That's definitely, he had a good year last year, and that's going to make a pretty competitive team even more competitive. They got Zunino, so they're getting you know one a catcher that's more on the like 
offensive production wise is can be up there. It depends on if he's going to hit two hundred or not, or if his average is going to be above two hundred. If that happens, then you know you're oh, getting yeah. good production. They got Avisio Garcia of the uh, White Sox, Yandy Diaz. They, they just I don't know what to do with the Rays. Like they, they were sellers at the trade deadline last year. And then still they almost made one of the, the play. Yeah, yeah they, like they, were, just, they were so hot in the second half of the year. And it's just... That's, ever since they traded away Chris Archer. It's hard to gauge. Better. It's hard to gauge what, what to expect from them. Like, now that they've made some signings and stuff, are they going to to be bad again? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Well, so so. The Rays are never really bad. But it's it's a tough division to to play in when you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean Toronto and Baltimore will probably be bad. Well, of course. I mean, the Red Sox and the Yankees will be good. Baltimore just realistically can't be as bad as they were last year, right? No, they can't no statistically. Way. Neither can uh, Kansas City. Just there's no way they cannot be as bad as they were. I just don't see how it would be possible. And if it, it if it does happen again, I don't see how they can even sell tickets to their games. Being Kansas City is bad. really bad, too. Well, they both signed... American League teams. The American League was so top-heavy last year. Because, you, like you said, the same three teams you come back to, who's going to make it to the World Series from Red Sox, Yankees, or Astros? It just, the... That was the big difference between the AL and the NL last year, and I think it's still going to be this way this year. The Angels, to me, like we just talked about, are the only team I can see that kind of break through that. You know, Seattle had a little run. Oakland had a little bit of a run, but they ran into the Yankees. You know, and it it really did, you know, the Indians were in a weak division, so they weren't as good as I think they, you know, kind of appeared to be. They, they They had more glaring weaknesses than either the Yankees, Red Sox, or Astros. But with the Indians, too, like how much better would they have played if they would have had to have competed every game? Yeah. They won their division before the All-Star break, and there, it just wasn't even competitive. That was the big thing we talked about last year. Pretty, like, toward from the All-Star break on was the NL is... Their bullpen, their bullpen was really bad. But the the AL, you just you knew who your teams were. You had the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. It was pretty much always who's going to win out of those three teams. And yeah, the NL, it was, it was Seattle. We didn't know who it was. For that last yeah. wild card. but that was the only thing exciting about the AL was who's going to win the wild card because of how things were shaping up out west. But even the Seattle thing that melted down before it before did. the season ended. And then the Red Sox pulled away a little from the Yankees, so it was pretty much you knew it was going to be the Yankees would have a home uh, wild card game against the the A's. But on the NL side of things, you had no idea what was going to happen. We yeah. didn't know if the even the Dodgers who You're made it to division, the World Series, the division, who was going to win. Yeah, divisions. you didn't know who was going to win any of those. Like the, the last week, the NL East ended up not being as competitive West. as we thought. The yeah. NL West was like every time we did a podcast, Dodgers, like all right, Colorado, or yeah. Arizona, who who's in what spot this week? It was changing week by week, and even the NL Central, like we didn't know what was going to happen with the Cardinals and the Cubs. Because of all of a sudden Matt Carpenter's trying to win the MVP and the and Cardinals the are competitive again, and then the won Brewers, Yelich went on that fucking tear, and they won the division. And we were talking about them possibly winning the, you know, making it to the World Series, not necessarily winning, but 
Yeah, it was just it was much more competitive in the NL, and I think that that's going to continue to be the case this year. Like we already talked about the Central, but even with the NL East, like the Braves got a lot better with signing Donaldson. But then you look at what like the Phillies and the Nationals have done, and when you're talking about the Braves, the same thing that you're talking about with the Braves, you talk about with the Nationals. They've got a lot of young guys that are coming up that are performing really well, and who's to say? And I mean, it sucks to say it as a Braves fan, but there's a, like we have a strong chance of definitely not winning the division. Like with the Nationals, you know, Soto he could have a better year than Acuna this year. They've got Victor Robles coming up. And they still have the best pitcher in the National League. Max Scherzer. They, they signed... Still have, they um, still have Strasburg. They signed Corbin. Like, they've gotten they've gotten a lot better, as have the Phillies. I think that the NL East, and I'm not just saying this as a Braves fan, if you just look at the young talent and the signings that have happened this offseason, it is the most exciting division in baseball. You've got your best two young hitters right now in Acuna and Soto... You've got a Braves team that's got a lot of young guys coming up. You've got a Nationals team that's got a lot of young guys coming up. And then you've got the Phillies, who are obviously willing to, they're ready to spend money. They're wanting to win now, too. And that's the thing, too, like with Harper is, I think that Harper is going to end up on the Phillies or the Nationals. So if he goes to the Phillies, then obviously the Phillies have taken a, a major leap forward. But if he goes back to the Nationals, how did the Nationals not win the NL East? How do the Nationals not how are they not the best team in baseball or in at least the National League next year if they get Harper on top of everyone else that that they've signed this year or traded for it just how do you not win the division They yeah their pitching's really good They signed Corbin, they got Brian Dozier. They traded for Jan Gomez. Gomes, sorry. Uh they've got Tanner Rainey from the Reds, their number 22 prospect. And then they signed Hannibal Sanchez and Kurt Suzuki, and like we've we've talked a lot about the catcher's position. Yeah, that's a you're good gonna signing. get some. You're gonna get offensive production out of Kurt Suzuki. He's not gonna give you like twenty five home runs or anything like that. But two years ago, him and Tyler Flowers were numbers wise the best numbers of of any catchers that you're gonna have in baseball. Yes, they're a platoon, but combined, their numbers were better than any catching anyone in baseball. So he's at least got some sort of ability left. He's a veteran guy to lead a young team. So you've obviously made these moves, in, and then imagine if you get Harper back. Then you've got Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, and Victor Robles in your outfield. And they've got Carter, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Keyboom or Keyboom or right. something like that. Right. He's supposed to be really good too. I actually I talked about on that one podcast after I went up to Toledo. Him and Robles both played in that uh, minor league game I watched up there in Toledo. So that was cool to see, too. But, I mean, they're they're going to be good. You've got – I still think, like, I've come down on the Mets deal that they made, but they've gotten a lot better with getting, you know, Cano. They signed Jed Lowry, and they've got Diaz, too. They've gotten better. I still trust that the Mets will be the Mets and fuck it up. But they've gotten a lot better, and the Phillies said they're going to spend money, so I would fully expect them to be in the Harper thing still. And what if, even if they don't get Harper, what if they get Machado? Then you'd be saying, how did the Phillies not win the division? They're not there yet. That's the problem. 
They've got. I think they they made a good deal with the Mariners to get uh, Gene Segura. The Andrew McCutcheon thing, like I just, I don't think I don't see McCutcheon being that guy that's going to give you like slightly above average production for the ne- for the end of his career. I think that he's just going to tail off. I'm and, not in any part. I think they average, I think power. they they overpaid on him, and I think that one's going to come back to not be a good deal for him. But they still. They've said they want to spend money. So what if, what if they end up getting Kimbrel? That would make their, well, they'd be better instantly. Like there's there's some variables at play. Like I still think I I would love to see Kimbrel, but I don't I don't think that the Phillies after coming out and saying that at the beginning of the off season we're going to spend money and not having done much. Yeah, and they haven't done that much. They haven't done enough to like that. If I were a Phillies fan and they're telling me that, I would currently be pissed that the off season ended and they've made the signings that that they've made. Especially after saying that, maybe had they not said that, it wouldn't be a big deal. But you said you were going to spend money, and we've got David Robertson, Gene Segura, and Andrew McCutcheon to show for it. Like that's not what I, mean, I want. If you're a, saying a, a, a good. Potential closer, not yeah. quite a closer. I mean, he was a closer in Chicago for the White Sox, but he's he definitely wasn't the best pitcher on that Yankees staff. No, but I I mean that's not that's not appealing to me. If my team's coming out and saying we're gonna make moves, we're gonna spend yeah. money. That's not what I want to see. Just if you look just within the division, you look to the Braves who did not say we're going to go out and blow a bunch of money. They signed Josh Donaldson. I would I'm happier with signing just Josh Donaldson than those three signings. You know, just from my standpoint, I'm happier with Donaldson than getting those three guys. They've got to do something, or if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm fucking irate. Yeah, I'm not happy about the McCutcheon thing. No, but I'm irate if that's what you're getting me, and you said you were going to spend money. They still, I mean, if they go out and get, like, Keuchel, like, that's the the scary shit, too, is what if the Phillies go out, if they don't get Harper or Machado, what if they go out and sign Keuchel to a short-term deal and then they get Kimbrell? That changes shit drastically. Both, yeah, for sure. Like, there's a lot, like, that's what I hate about this right now is we're getting close to pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training and we have no idea where Keiko's going to go, or Machado, or Harper. And it's like, or how... Yeah, or Kimber. Like, there are some big names left on the board, and you don't know what's going to happen until they sign. And it's just, it's irritating. I think that we're finally at the point in baseball where they're going to stop giving guys the pools contract. Like, all right, you're... So I told you what I read 30s. about Chris Bryant, right? Chris Bryant said that... He, he didn't think that these guys were, obviously they're not getting what they feel they're worth. He said a lot of it could be attributed to the fact that there aren't a lot of teams trying to be competitive in baseball. There's a lot of teams on the lower end, so when you get a big-name guy like Kimbrell, I guess, is a good example, where you know he's a good closer, anybody wants money. I mean that his own team that was the highest they had the highest payroll last year I think the Red Sox, and they what are they trying to cut payroll now after winning the World yeah. Series? 
and they don't want to pay Kimberly? I think it's a it's a different market for a closer than it is for like Machado or Harper. They're gonna they can be successful wherever they go. If Kimbrel's on a shitty team, that just by proxy is gonna limit his save chances. So if for he's limited his market just based off saying that he wants that kind of money because how many teams are gonna go out and pay a closer? When you're not going like to win five. that many games, you know what I'm saying? Five. Like he's I think limited really his market. Five teams that could be in the market for a this. Timberall. This shit is basically it's who can afford Machado and Harper. Who's willing nowadays? Who's willing to commit to a ten year deal, which is what these guys are wanting ten year three hundred million plus. Who's going to commit to that? It's ten years. That's a long time. Teams are focused on their their farm systems and bringing up bringing guys up and not having to pay them that that millions and millions of dollars. I think we're finally at the point where teams don't want to sign the guys for ten years because at the last three or four years, like look at pools, you don't want to pay that. You don't want to pay thirty million dollars a year for below average. He's like a production. negative war player. Yeah, like that's you don't. Why are you paying him that much money? That's why you're seeing all these opt out clauses and shit like that. It's like yes, if you're and you have to pay, you have to play him because you're paying him so much money. You can't have a guy point, sitting on the bench that you're paying, you know, fifteen to twenty million a year or whatever they're paying him. I mean, at some point you have to. You just have to be like, all right, well, we're if just you want gonna to be competitive. Yeah, we're just gonna fuck it, eat it, and just cut him. Like, he's not, yes, he's costing us money, but we're too competitive at this point to allow him to step on the field again. Well, and I think that's what we're getting away from. Like, teams aren't trying to sign, like, when Kimbrell said that. It's like, dude, we just saw this with Arietta last year, or the year before. Was last year? When he signed with the Cubs? Arietta's with the Phillies. Or Phillies, now. Jesus. Yeah, last year. Like, he was expecting a big long-term deal. He got what three years, seventy five million, something like that. Guy, they just don't want to sign guys like that anymore. You're not going to see like the ten year deals are going to be much more like few and far between than what they were a couple years ago. I feel like Stanton, Stanton's crazy, three hundred what seventy three million dollar deal. This shit, it's just getting out of control. But that, but that's teams. I think with the whole Stanton thing. Now teams are stepping back from that and saying nobody wants to do that again. Nobody wants to take on that guy. I mean, it's crippled the Marlins, but they've kind of they're 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 in rebuild mode anyway. So. They've kind of crippled See, themselves. Well, yeah, but you have to be competitive, and to be paying a guy. I mean, you're you're wasting. You're you're pretty much just trying to bring fans into the stadium when you pay a guy that much money. And you have a below average team. Yeah, they. Uh, but I feel like if they would have kept the guys that they got rid of, how could they be a below average team at this point? If you've got Yelich, oh, Bruce, and the they league was, be. imagine having Yelich, Ozuna, and Stanton in the same lineup. Yeah, if they that's got, the best outfield in baseball. Yeah. no, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They tore it down. They're trying to rebuild from nothing now. Yeah, I think they that had three that of the whole, best national uh, outfielders in the national. They had the MVP winner last year be Yelich, right? The year before was Stanton. So you had two back to back, and 
you let him walk. And imagine what it is on top of that. Exactly. Like, it would be the best outfield in baseball, not just it the would. National League. In baseball in general, it would be the best outfield, hands down. I think this is Jeter coming in, new ownership coming in and saying, like, look, we want to build our own team. Let's just tear it down. Like, even though we're we're right there where we could be a couple moves away, let's just tear the whole fucking thing down. And let's build our team the way we want to build it so our name's on it and no one else is on it. I, I don't know. And that's something that we didn't even discuss. And we, I, mean, I don't really... agree. I, I don't think that Yelich and Ozuna were really breaking the bank. Obviously, Stanton no. was. Just yeah. get rid of Stanton and build around those other two guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the same point there, it's harder to build around him because if you would have, if you have him signed to like a team friendly contract, you're going to get more prospects and that's going to be a better deal for you because you've got to cover now a fuck ton of money. And it's a long deal. That's going to And I don't know what the, Yan- the, the Yankees got for taking over. You know, I don't know how much of that money that Miami just ate. Yeah, it's, or I don't know Yeah, what they got in return. Yeah, without looking into it, I don't know either. Like, that's something we should... But it seems like Stanton's a winner wherever he goes. Oh, he's getting paid. And everything with the opt-out clauses and shit in his deal, he's protected. Like, if he were to have, if he goes on a couple-year tear where he hits 50 home runs plus 100, let's say he does like 150 RBI, 50-some home runs, and he cuts down on his strikeouts, he can opt out of that deal and sign another deal. And if his numbers don't get any better and he's comfortable, he he just just doesn't opt out. Yeah, so I mean, like, that's the shit that doesn't make any sense is, like, they put in these opt-out clauses to get these guys so they don't have to sign them to 10 years. But then if they're playing, like, trash or if they get hurt or something, the team's screwed either way. And I just, I don't understand. I mean, when you look at, like, those guys, there's only so many teams that can sign guys to these $300 million contracts. So I guess if you look at, like, from a baseball standpoint, if you're a big team, like, if the Dodgers... Don't spend the money to get them if the Yankees don't. Like you're kind of going to be disappointed because you just expect it to happen. But it's been that way for years. Yeah, it has. You go back fifteen or twenty years. That's all you're talking about in the off season. The Yankees. What? Are, who are the Yankees? Always what big Yankees. name are the Yankees going to sign? Always so the fucking. Yankees. I mean that that hasn't changed. So what the hell's taking so long? It's just I don't, the Yankees don't, I don't know. drag their feet on making deals. They probably I mean, feel we, like they could get by with their team plus what they already have. We said it like we did make one prediction that has come out, and it's looking like it's going to come out true, is these guys aren't going to get more than $300 million. I I just, I, I, if I, it was going to happen, it was going to happen. I believe that Harper's going to go back and take that deal because he's to not going to find anything. But No, to the Nats. Or Nats, Jesus. Yeah, I, don't think I should gonna, have another drink, you're right. <laughs> I don't think he's going to find anything better than that. I really don't. I it kind of makes him look bad to wait so long to come back to that deal too. Yeah. If if they as long as they've waited, these guys better come back and get like seven year three hundred fifty million dollar deals. Like it's just I'm I'm over it. I'm done waiting. I so what do the Nationals do? do? What do the Nationals do if he gets signed somewhere else? Is there anybody that they could sign after that other than, like you said, Kim, who's left, Kimbrell or Kyle? Well, based on like what I think is going to happen. They are obviously prepared if, to pay that money if I they think, offered it to him. I think that 
that Machado is going to go either to the Yankees or the White Sox, and Harper is either going to be Phillies or Nationals. So if Harper goes to the Phillies, the Nationals have to do something just in response to that. Like I think that the Nationals could well, still win the they, division. They just paid, what, $140 million for Patrick Corbin. Yeah, even without Harper, they can still win the division. But if the Phillies are to sign Harper, then I would respond with either, what if they sign Keiko? Imagine that pitching staff. Yeah, the Nationals. Imagine the Nationals adding Keiko to their pitching staff. Can't they pull that deal if they want to? If they, they'll have the financial flexibility to do so. Or what if they sign Kimbrell? Yeah, pull that. It's the yeah, same thing. Yeah, pull that deal. Give you know a, a small portion of that money to Keiko. Bring him in, and your pitching city one through four is fantastic. But even if they don't go after Keiko, what if they go after Kimbrell and they sign him? Like even you're still better. making a response. You're getting a, a a great player, and you can. I mean, that can be like your little move to your fan base. But like, even without signing Harper or signing those other guys, the Nationals still could very easily It just win seems like you can get a lot less or a lot more with $300 million than just one guy. Yeah. It I just agree. It really does. And if you're giving it to multiple guys, if one of them goes down, that doesn't hurt you like if some freak accident happens and you sign one guy to a long-term deal for $300 million. If you're signing a couple guys, even if one of them gets hurt, that's still not as like bad to your team as one guy. I don't know. I just, I don't... I don't see... I don't see this 10-year deal stuff happening much anymore. I think that, that there's too many... Like, the bads, the bad ones are like the pools and... The Bobby Bonilla deals and stuff like of that nature, it's so ridiculous when you're talking about it 10 years down the road that those negatives stand out that much more than than even like the good ones work out that teams are just finally starting to kind of steer themselves away from it with all the analytics and everything and as much as they're analyzing like the young guys and stuff and pulling guys from... But that just means you get even less... You know, job security, if you want to call it that, because you're, I mean, you have to produce in those five years or at least the last, you know, couple years of your deal. I think the teams are going to get their money's worth, more of their money's worth than what they were before. And it's hard. I mean, I I understand like people that say, you know, they want to see the payers get played and stuff. Payer, players get paid? Yeah. Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm all for that and everything, but it's like, when you look at like what Nick Marquega said, he's like, no, how can I be upset about what I'm getting paid? I'm getting paid millions of dollars to play a kid's sport. Fado's playing a game. deal. Yeah. I think that's probably been worth it. The $25 million a year, $250 million, that's... At first it looked shaky because he was having that leg issue and everything, but he's... The dude's an on-base machine. But still, I mean, for... The last four years in a row, he's led the National League in on-base percentage. It's ridiculous. And everyone was getting so pissed. Everyone's getting so pissed. Like, stop taking so many walks. Yeah, don't get on base. Yeah, stop getting on base. The hardest thing to do in baseball is get more. Swing more and get out more. Yeah. We'd rather see 10 more home runs than you walk 40 times. He did. He hit less than 20 home runs this last year. 
I was actually on our flight to uh, Punta Cana. But he still led the National League in on-base percentage. I was reading, uh, like, the fantasy baseball magazine thing I was reading. And I looked at Votto's numbers, and I was like, dude, his numbers, like, were terrible compared to what I thought they'd be. But his value, because I only look at his value from our fantasy baseball standpoint, and he gets on base so fucking much that he was still so valuable. But when I looked at his numbers, I was like, holy shit. If I didn't play fantasy baseball, I would think a lot differently of Joey Votto than his I do right now. His power numbers aren't great. No. They were not great this year. Yeah, but, I mean, he's never been a guy that's going to give you 50 home runs. Like, he's always been the guy he, that's going to walk. He hit 30, though. Yeah, but he has to change his approach to do that. And that's the thing is you can't fault the guy for having a great eye and being able to he, take and a yeah, ball. He's a hitter, so he's you know he doesn't have the highest like exit velocity, and, you know he doesn't necessarily always hit the perfect you know fifteen to twenty per or fifteen to twenty degree launch angle and yeah. all that stuff. So the numbers don't necessarily support any kind of you know huge power numbers, but the guy with he was a doubles machine. I mean, he's, he's still not as fast now, but yeah, like you said, he gets on base. He's still a of a, a great guy to have with a very young team. Like you've got someone who can teach your guys what a lot of these power hitters nowadays will never be able to teach them. Like Stanton's never going to be able to be like, all right, this you this needs to be your approach when you can't strike out. Right, or but when it's a three-two count. Yeah, you don't just, like you know, you're not just swinging for the fences. I want Joey Votto having that conversation with my guy who's 25, not not Stanton. So I mean, there's still value there, and I think he's still he'll he'll continue to have a good career. But yeah, he's not. He, his numbers just I could not believe his numbers when I looked at him compared to what I like just from the fantasy value, and that blew my mind. One thing we didn't really get into was uh, back to the NL East, the uh, one very, very, very influential team could be the Marlins because they still have JT Real Muto. Yeah. I just I read that the Padres <laughs> the Padres are in on him now. The Padres will be good in two or three years. I feel like, I feel like we've been saying that. Is it finally going to happen? Where they don't sell off their whole team at the at the deadline <laughs> yeah, pretty every much. year. Pretty much. It worked out well for the Indians last year. It did. The hand. They got the hand. The hand was a He's got to be, he's got to be, like, I know he's not a Red Sox, but he's got to be one of your favorite players because you love that guy. Who? Brad Hand. I do. Every, hand. like, anytime we talk about relievers, I feel like you always bring him up. Like, he's got to be one of your favorite guys. Period. I had him on uh, one of my fantasy teams. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but he, uh, he I was, feel like you always have him. Always. He's solid. This year wasn't quite, I didn't have any of the, like, Hater, Ottavino, like those middle type guys. I had Brad Peacock a couple of years ago, and he kind of filled that role really well. A guy that could come in, you know, in the middle of a game and still get you a win or, you know, a hold and strike out, you know, four Just guys really, in two innings. A really versatile pitcher. Yeah. Peacock would start every now and then. He'd go, like, the first four or five. 
So yeah, got and yeah, Hater and Ottavino were kind of uh, Hater was amazing this year. I didn't have any of those long relievers on my team. Those guys are big, Brian, big numbers guys. Brian hit me up the other day. He uh he's been on this kick where he's been buying baseball cards. Um, he uh he texted me. He was like, dude, he's like buying these cards. It's gonna. It's definitely going to affect the way that I draft this year in fantasy. I'm like, just be careful. You draft too many of those young guys that are like the big up-and-comers and they don't pan out, like you're done. He goes, oh, speaking of which, I'm going to need a Cunha. I was like, I've got a Cunha and Soto. I was like, or no, I think he said he needs Soto. I was like, I've got a Cunha and Soto as keepers. He's like, we'll, we'll talk about a Cunha later. Like, there ain't no way in hell I'm giving them up. Yeah, no way. I've got two of the best, like, the two best young outfielders in baseball. There's no way in hell I'm trading them. And then Scherzer's my other keeper. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. When do you think Scherzer's finally going to stop being so dominant? Uh, three, three or four years? Four years? I mean, are we talking like he's going to be in the Cy Young running for the next three or four years, and then he's going to yeah, like top off? top three in the National League in the Cy Young running for the next three years? I think we're finally, disappointingly, we're finally at the point where Kershaw's falling out of that uh, conversation. I, I agree. Similar to what like King Felix did a couple years ago, it's finally at the point where it's like you're not going to be upset if he's on your team. But he's no longer even in the and conversation the Mets, the for, like, do I take him first Thor round? And, I mean, Thor was hurt some last year, but they had DeGrom. DeGrom was a monster last year. Yeah, but there's no way. Like, I mean, he'll get drafted higher this year after the like winning the Cy Young. But there's no way he can have that year that he had last year. Just no way. I mean, his wins will probably come up. The wins have to come up. See, the, the problem is is that is the wins and losses really affect your points in fantasy. So as far as fantasy goes, he he was what, like 8-8 eight and eight or 7-8? and eight, Like something uh, something stupid, like barely bad. over 500. Yeah. Something like But that. That affects you when you have, you know, like Kluber or who's the, the guy in, uh, I'm blanking, for Tampa Bay. That won the AL. So, uh, yeah. So you have those guys that went twenty. They go twenty and seven, twenty and eight. That's a huge. But that's why we love that's fantasy. A huge difference. That's why we points. love fantasy because it's a different conversation than like talking regular baseball. If you if you had to give me if you gave me the option of of Degrom or Snell to build like a real team around, it's Degrom without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. But when you start talking fantasy, Snell is more valuable because he's getting you how many more wins? 12 more. And in our league, that's an additional 60 points. And he doesn't play for the Mets. So, you know, they've ruined pitchers. It's the Mets. Like I said, they they could be right up there with best offseason this year. and then, Or it couldn't matter at all. Because it's the Mets. It's the LOL Mets. Yeah, outside, I mean, there's not a whole lot to go against Scherzer's dominance in the National League. It's it's frightening how much better. Like, I'm still happy the with where the Braves are. Kluber, but... Sale, Snell. Uh, who else was in the running for a while? Verlander. Verlander. 
and yeah. Cole. Cole. Yeah. Bauer. Yeah, there's a, a lot of a lot better starters top tier. Do you follow in the American League? Do you follow Trevor Bauer on Twitter? I think so. I was gonna say if you don't, you definitely should. For sure. He's uh he's entertaining. Well, we're uh we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna try to uh, do a little bit more frequently here. We're uh, gonna be back here before long. It's uh, pretty much time to start doing our uh, fantasy previews, stuff like that. If fucking Harper and Machado would ever sign with anybody, um, I think we're gonna probably start doing some uh, some rankings position wise. And once these uh, ass hats sign, we can start doing some I'm excited uh, to some see breakdown where some team of these guys, guys. Are ranked coming off of last season. Yeah. I'm going to keep probably Chris Bryant, but, you know, he's been hurt. Just I want to see where a lot of guys are placed, a lot of value, especially pitchers. Jake well, Paxton, he's going to have huge value this year. It could really – and that's the thing that sucks is he was my keeper last year, and then now he goes to the Yankees, which is obviously a much better team than the Mariners. Yeah, I'm getting excited when I'm thinking about fantasy because, like, there's so much shit that could, like, depend like or just dictate – how players years ago like I've I've been reading a lot about like what the Braves are going to do with Acuna and if they're going to keep him in the leadoff spot or they're going to move him to the cleanup spot yeah and if they move him to the cleanup spot they're going to put Enciarte at leadoff so if that's the case and Enciarte is hitting well he could be very relevant this year in fantasy because if he's getting on base you've got Donaldson Freeman and Acuna you've got three MVP caliber hitters right there and then you're you're putting Marcakis after that. That's a like that. Yeah, Marcakis already had a good year last year. Yeah, and that that kind of dictates on what Acuna's numbers are going to look like and stuff too. There's just there's but Donaldson. Donaldson had an okay year last year. He was hurt a good bit. Yeah, but when he but, came back, his numbers look good. I mean that, and he's hitting somewhere what before or after Freddie Freeman. Probably after. Anthopoulos has pretty much said he's hitting second. Really? So, Donaldson, it's going to be Donaldson and Freeman at two and three. Freeman always hits three, right? But, yeah, it's just they're they're talking about moving Acuna from the leadoff spot to the cleanup spot. And the reasoning behind that is, like, everyone's saying, well, that's stupid to do because he went on that tear when he went to the leadoff spot. And I was an advocate for that, too. But then when you dig deeper into it and you read into it, it's like, that happened right after the All-Star break. They made adjustments to where his hands were at on the bat a week before the All-Star break. So was his jump in numbers and getting super hot because he was moved to the leadoff spot or because they made changes to his mechanics? Chances are it's the mechanics. it was the mechanics right. and not moving to the leadoff spot. But at the same time, he also just said... I would like to be in the leadoff spot. So then if they move him to the four hole... Is he going to be upset yeah, with that? Yeah, is he like going to be upset with that and it's going to affect him? So like that's that's the fun thing about baseball is you never know what's going to happen. But we'll, uh, we'll be back soon. Hopefully, uh, hopefully on our next podcast we get to uh, finally talk about where Harper and Machado are going to be, hopefully both. And then uh, everything will fall in place and we can start preparing for some... Uh, some fantasy baseball and uh, pitchers some and catchers sports yeah. soon, man. We're ready to see some rankings. It's baseball season almost. 
I can't wait. It's like seven degrees outside, but baseball's right around the corner. Like that means baseball's <laughs> coming. We'll uh we'll be doing another podcast soon. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter, Jack in the Box eighty five and Matt Bechtolt. Like I said before, just get on my Twitter and find Matt because you're <laughs> not gonna be able to spell his name. See you guys later. Peace.